The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Time for the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton in for Susan Littlefield today, who's still at Commodity Classic. Excited to hear what she's cooking up down in Florida. Talking the trade with us today, Sam Hudson of Corn Belt Marketing. Sam, thanks for joining us as we take a look here at the trade. Kind of lackluster once again in the grains. Corn today, though, pulling us to the downside. What was really getting in behind these corn sellers? Well, we've continued to see some forced liquidation as these March contracts go into delivery. Uh, we got first notice day tomorrow, so before that, all, all longs have to be out of the market, and that includes paper and basis contracts, and that's something that's been a common theme here over the last week or so, as elevators giving a call out there to, to say, hey, you either need to uh, you know, sell or roll this. Either way, that March contract has to be sold, and I think we've seen a little bit of extra pressure on the market uh, because of that, um, and maybe added some to it uh, just from the small spec longs liquidating after we had optimism going home on Friday uh, with reports of you know potential trade deal on the workings, uh, without any details or specific you know concrete evidence of that taking place yet. The market is just kind of tired of hearing that and it, it needed to see that proof. Uh, and in that void, the, the selling has kind of won out with the wheat market really extending the losses and, and, and really leading the downside uh, you know charge here over the last week or so. And again, we're seeing that pressure. It's built over once again in wheat. We've seen wheat now in this downward spiral for about two weeks. How much longer do we have to go before we can maybe start finding that bottom to at least chop sideways or to try to gain a little bit? I'm personally hoping that, you know, I'm thinking that we've got to be within the you know next couple of days finding a bottom there, but that's predicated on not getting any more, you know, pessimism in the trade and I think the worst thing we could see at this point take place would be uh, you know the, the wheels fall off this whole trade negotiation wagon uh, which would certainly pressure soybeans and probably pull corn down along with it fundamentally it seems like corn still has a you know decent story going into spring or summer uh, we know that even with the 92 million acres that the USDA plugged in on the Ag Outlook Forum acreage number for corn this year uh, even, even with that acreage number and a trend line yield uh, with demand the way it is uh, we were still seeing a, a slight drop in the carryout so what that means is our growing season still matters the yield is still the biggest pivotal factor in terms of price at the end of the year. And until then, uh, you know, markets are going to kind of hang out and, and react to whatever deal or no deal that we get here in the next month. Talking about going forward, we're going to start seeing some tractors start rolling in the next couple months. Guys right now putting together a plan what type of acreage they want to go to into this summer. We look at soybean prices. We look at corn prices. Right now, are we trying to discourage acreage, acreage anywhere except for maybe wheat? Um... You know, it's kind of a loaded question. I mean, the battle to me, honestly, seems to be which which crop do we want to put less on the carryout <laughs> at this point in time? Because we don't necessarily need any of the acres. We know we're going to get a bump in corn acres. It's just a how you know to what degree. Uh, and, and I really do think that the, you know the impact on a deal or no deal ahead of planting is pivotal because even if we don't see a significant price rally in soybeans because there's a deal done, it will at least instill some confidence in the U.S. farmer to go out and plant soybean acres knowing that China will be there to buy them again, even if we're, they're not going to take our whole carry out and put beans back above $10 right now. Uh, I mean, let's be serious with the carry out we've got. We're probably going to be dealing with some of these oversupply issues until the winter of next year unless we burn the crop up this year. So from a basis standpoint, especially in the West, it's something we're going to kind of have to continue to work through. Uh, and it's difficult for me to see China just coming straight to us for all of their needs at this point moving forward and completely turning their backs on South America right as their harvest really kind of gets uh, you know wrapped up or at least in the heat of it right now. 
As you were saying earlier, producers have a lot of balls in the air right now trying to market old grain that they have in storage now, trying to look out forward. So what are some options that guys might want to consider when you're looking from that risk management perspective? Is there things to be doing now to take advantage of something? Well, obviously, there's always the, the customization and kind of tailoring uh, per operation, and, and I believe that starts with marketing time windows. You know, when when your cash flow needs come and do, um, when you know you've got to market some, you know, grain, uh, you know, by what time, and then you can start setting some of these short-term price targets. If we are to see a, a rally later on this year, to me, it's going to be tough to really sustain strength if it's going to go up until we get into that April, May, June, July time frame because of a weather situation. Uh, between now and then, I think you're largely going to remain range-bound. The farmer is going to be, you know, apt and willing to sell it higher prices, uh, and that selling is going to shut off at lower prices, and I think that's what we're seeing right now. The only selling that's really taking place is the forced liquidation. Uh, just get me out, whether you're you know stuck long futures or stuck long crop, just get me away from it. Uh, and once that has kind of transpired and we've gotten past that, we'll hope that between now and mid-March we can actually see you know somewhat of an opposite effect there where there's just really no willing sellers in the market. And if we really can keep positivity going and optimism going on a trade deal, who wants to be caught short if we are really going to pen something? Talking, switching gears now from the marketing perspective to grain end-use perspective, getting ethanol numbers out today, some positive signs coming out there, a little bit of reduction in stocks, a little bit of increase in production. Does that need to continue over the next several weeks for it to be a story, or is there some trade possibilities there? Well, you know, this this can uh, this conversation could get deep. You know, we've got a lot of legislation things coming here in the year ahead. If we just throw that to the curb for now, uh, you know, the cut in production that we've seen really since, uh, gosh, going on for a few months now, it seems like, uh, that was the first thing we needed to see to really start thinking that we could draw those stocks down. And the problem we've had in the meantime is that, uh, you know, gasoline prices were so cheap that there was really no incentive to blend it. We've really changed that landscape in the last two or three weeks. We've got a pretty healthy premium, uh, the reformulated gasoline over ethanol prices, which should, you know, invigorate that blending uh, and in turn uh, kind of boost, uh, you know, ethanol production in general. And I think we've seen that to a certain degree uh, come twofold here over the last week or so for the farmer in terms of basis. You know, there's some option basis levels out there out west in the western Corn Belt uh, for, for an ethanol processor. And part of that's because maybe some poor weather they're slowing down deliveries, but also the fact that their margins have improved a little bit. And, and when you get back to that farmer marketing side of things, when you see those basis pushes and, and, and um, you know, attractiveness for, for the cash bid, that's definitely something to, to keep in mind. If you can deliver and take it Advantage of that, do it. Maybe you got to own paper on the backside if you don't love your flat price. Um, but those are the little basis and, and merchandising things that kind of add up in a market like this. Again, we're talking with Sam Hudson of Corn Bell Marketing, discussing the grain market here in this first segment. Again, ending mixed on the day. Soybeans really kind of the, the star of the sky, trying to again maintain that green level once more. Corn, though, ending in the red. Wheat also ending mixed. Kansas City, though, outpacing Chicago wheat, especially on the front month contract by a couple cents. This is the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. More coming up next. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Again, Clay Patton in for Susan Littlefield. We have Sam Hudson of Corn Belt Marketing joining the conversation today. In our first segment, talking about the grain trade, what happened, some of the fundamentals behind that, and how producers can take advantage. Moving into our second segment now, Sam, as we look uh, some we haven't heard about now, South American weather. You know, it was kind of the story for uh, for about a month turning into 2019. Now that it's taken a back seat, realistically, is there anything to look into there? 
You know, I, I think at this point, uh, you know, we're kind of in that time period where you're going to sh- really shift the focus without without a bigger, you know, uh, possibility of catastrophe down there. You're going to start to shift the focus from, from their weather season to ours. I mean, if you fast forward even 30 days from now, right here in the central Midwest, it's tough to see how, you know, that much work is going to get done between now and then, if any at all. When you look at, uh, you know, 6 to 10 day or uh, even 8 to 14 day outlooks looking like uh, pretty cold temperatures moving through again. And then you'll have to have 7 to 10 days at least to kind of warm up and get things from being, you know, mucky and get that frost out of the ground before you can even think of anything. And that's assuming there's no precipitation. So I think that's what the market's going to start to look at now. Um, at this point, the only thing that could really impact uh, stuff in South America would be if they got into a really uh, late wet harvest and started to impact quality or grain movement in general. But as it sits today, it looks like uh, some of the drier areas of Argentina that could you know, warrant concern are going to start uh, getting a little bit of precipitation in here. And I guess the end result is that there's going to be a, a pretty hefty crop down there. Uh, we've certainly taken the top end of it off with some of the problems we had in Brazil and, and certainly should expect their production number to be cut down a little bit more. But I just don't think it could be enough to really change any prevailing winds at this point. Let's switch gears now. We've talked quite grains for quite a bit. Let's move over to the livestock here for just a little bit. The lean hogs, they kind of saw the most movement in terms of a range today. We saw even a little bit of triple-digit gains early on in the trade. Was a lot of this coming from that news in China about them trying to uh, divide the industry to try and contain African swine fever? Well, you got to believe that it's playing a little bit of a role. And I think, you know, when you market, it shows you this type of, of gyration and, and maybe a little bit of increased volatility for the short term. It feels like there could be a little bit of a transfer of ownership going on. Maybe some people you know, lifting hedges or, or establishing potentially even re-ownership after the market's crapped out the way it has. But uh, when you look at the, you know, cash index, it's not suggesting that really anything needs to turn around and then go up with a lot of vigor unless it's based on a you know, political change. Um, and we're going to be talking about this issue probably for months to come, if not even for an entire year, and trying to gauge how bad that situation is, what ramifications it'll have not only in China, but for the U.S. and really just the rest of the world in general. So it's difficult to make any uh, you know, dramatic assumptions or conclusions here at this point today, but I think long term we have to expect that uh, you know it's probably worse over there than what they've led on to believe. It's just a matter of how do you curb it, curtail it, and then kind of get back, get these markets back to normalcy here in the next 12 to 16 months, let's call it. Over on the cattle side, we are talking about weather still very cold across much of the Midwest and many of our major feeding regions. Is that kind of making the, the, the cattle bears cautious of really wanting to step in and to sell this market? Well, it's twofold. I think it's keeping you know the the bears from getting in and selling aggressively, but it's also keeping the bulls um, you know in confidence. And we've continued to see the fund position grow uh, in the live cattle. They continue to buy, and they like to buy what goes up and sell what goes down. So uh, until something changes, that seems to be the path of least resistance. And that's actually uh, you know the weather seems to be creating a little bit of a headwind for the feeder market because no one's willing to replace. You know, no one wants to go out and hey, give me some more of what I'm dealing with now. I mean, it's just been a mess really since the end of October for a lot of cattle country east to west uh, with the cold temperatures, temperature swings, uh, now, you know, snowfall and all that in between. So fast forward 30 days in that market, you wonder if you got some pent up feeder demand at some point here for that April, May time frame that could help things along. Uh, but right now, you know, getting cash feeder index slightly lower again yesterday and you've got a $3 plus premium on the board. So does it really need to, to light it up? We've continued to see, even though the, the April, May is, you know, gaining here going up. Uh, the March just hasn't gone to the same extent. That spread continues to weaken. And until we see the cash really start to recover, it's tough to see how that market can have a lot of upside. And in the meantime, you got to see how the live cattle holds up, uh, you know, all throughout. 
looking now to the outside markets and just how our broad market scape is kind of impacting everything, that U.S. dollar index starting to creep up once again. Uh, does this look to maybe have some long-term effect? Is it, again, that money flow for these investors trying to uh, make sure they don't get caught in the wrong direction on a U.S.-China trade deal? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's just going to be linear across the board until we know a little bit more about it. As it sits today, you know, go back two weeks, it looked like the dollar was going to maybe go uh, you know, back over well over 97 and stay there, but that held. And as long as we stay within a general range uh, on the currency, I don't think it's going to have a huge impact because the U.S. grains are still some of the cheapest in the world. So our demand should you know, keep going out at a steady pace. Short-term impacts can be seen uh, depending on how it acts compared to like a Brazilian currency or something like that. Um, but as far as a bigger direction long-term, I think we've got to wait to see how that outcome plays out um, in terms of you know other outside markets, uh, energies. You know, having crude oil $55 a barrel plus is, is helpful to that ethanol uh, market, as we mentioned. And we saw a pretty good spike today after OPEC confirmed that they're going to continue forward with cuts, uh, despite Trump's uh, you know noting that you know fuel prices is uh, something to keep in mind, and, and he wants them to you know, increase production to keep those prices low. Again, talking to trade with us today, Sam Hudson of Corn Belt Marketing. Thank you to Fontenelle for their sponsorship of the Fontenelle Final Bell on the World Radio Network.